What's going on, guys? Thanks for tuning in to listen to today's show. We hope you're having a wonderful day wherever you're at. And we are just soaking up the sunshine here in Costa Rica. It actually, it's the middle of the dry season and it rained for two days. Yes. This is really bizarre. I was asking everyone. They're so like, weird. I don't remember the last time this happened. When I say it's the dry season, like last season, it did not rain from four months yeah from december to like april, april not one drop so it was actually quite nice yeah it was, it was a nice, nice nice change beautiful sunsets and uh not to rub it in if you guys are freezing cold somewhere uh listening but hopefully hearing our voices will warm you up yes we're sending <laughs> you warm vibes Sarah's voice. <laughs> Sarah's voice warms me up um yeah we got a great show for you guys today where we welcome Patrick Hansel, and he is a certified financial planner on the advanced planning team at Policy Genius, where he has eight years of industry experience and previously worked as an advisor and associate at Northwestern Mutual. And we dive into a little bit everything. of everything. <laughs> <laughs> wedding planning. No, mostly finances. And uh, Patrick is actually saving for a wedding. So we put him on the spot and got his expert financial advisor advice based on his own experience. And so we loosen him up a little bit because talking numbers in the budget is uh, not always the most exciting thing. And I just realized that we did not say congratulations to Patrick oh, on the interview. Well, so Patrick, if you're listening, congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> on your upcoming wedding. Yes. <laughs> or maybe you're listening to this after your wedding. Yes. Hope it was no, great. No, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's we've talked about it on past episodes with the money couple, understanding your your money personality. And today we talk a little bit more like specifics on how much to save and put aside and, and, you know, should you invest or buy insurance? And I thought it was valuable. I kind of mm -hmm. had some personal questions to ask Patrick and hopefully you guys uh, find it valuable as well. And as always, thank you so much for listening to the show, for subscribing, for leaving us reviews, and for sharing the podcast with your friends and family. And if you have not visited our website recently, we would love you to check it out. We have a lot of free guides and resources on there, as well as our 14-Day Happy Couple Challenge and our online course. So we hope you guys check it out and enjoy the episode. Today's show is brought to you by our online course, Spark My Relationship. Create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days. We've collaborated with 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. To unlock a special offer only for I Do Podcast listeners, visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. That's sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. Hey, Patrick, thanks for joining us on the show today. Thanks for having me, guys. Today, we're going to talk about money and how we can be better with money in relationships. And as 
people have probably heard, it can be a big cause of conflict. I know it has been in Sarah and I's relationship, and I think it's pretty common, and we want to be able to navigate that better. So we thought a good place to start would maybe have you tell our listeners a little bit about the survey that you guys conducted and its findings, and then we could figure out the tools we need to, to do better financially. Okay. Yeah, perfect. So uh, I guess kind of taking a step back before that, um, for those that don't know what Policy Genius is, um, we are an online insurance marketplace. Um, so we do help people shop and compare um, different types of insurance uh, all in the same place. So life insurance, disability insurance, home and auto coverage, uh, renters, pet insurance, uh, you name it. So kind of what we did here is this is the second annual survey that we've done regarding couples and money. And the questions were regarding um, how couples manage finances in their relationship. So it asked questions like, uh, what financial information do you and your partner know about each other? What do you not know uh, about each other? How do you, or how would you be comfortable, or like how much would you be comfortable spending without telling your partner? Uh, things of that nature. And discovered some pretty interesting things in the survey. Was there anything that surprised you guys, or you're like, yeah, that's pretty common that, that you see a lot? <laughs> Yeah, so kind of the overarching um, findings is that it, people often don't know what's going on with their partner's finances. Um, every relationship is different, um, but this can be often be a problem because as the data shows, money problems can cause a significant amount of friction in relationships. So like some of the, the details that I found pretty surprising, um, one of the stats is that uh, 30% of people didn't know their partner's salary. It, to me, that it just seems like it mm. comes up in like my personal conversations yeah. quite a bit. Um, but every, like I said, every couple is different. Um, so sometimes people aren't as open uh, about these types of things. Uh, and as we know, openness and honesty is, uh, you know, those are keys to a healthy relationship. So finances do play a huge part of it. Has any couples shared with you why they are not sharing that information with their partner? Not really specifically, uh, but I mean, I think it's pretty common. The same way that we hold other information mm -hmm. from our partner, um, it, it, finances are really no different. The stat that I found super interesting in one of your findings was that one out of five partners feel that their other partner is financially irresponsible. And that can obviously cause a lot of friction in a relationship, especially if they view money differently. So can you give us some guidance maybe for that percentage that feels that their partner is irresponsible, how they can go around working on that and becoming more connected in that area and then really figuring out how to view money differently and maybe on the same page as their partner? Yeah. So, um, yeah, 20% of people did say that uh, their partner, or they would classify their partner as somebody who is financially irresponsible. Uh, which is also a pretty high number. Um, mm -hmm. And based on that stat, uh, it was also shown that those who think their partner is bad with money are 10 times more likely to break up, which I thought um, was astounding. Uh, you never want one thing to be, uh, you know, the point of contention and the reason for a breakup. Um, but as the, 
as the data shows, um, this is a big pain point for a lot of people, and it cause or it can cause um, a higher likelihood of breaking up. So, some things that they can do to kind of help out with this is um, maybe there's there's one partner who is a little more you know financially uh, responsible, um, but the key is to to get together and to talk about this openly. So, whether that's something small like um, starting out talking about building a budget together. Um, this can usually be pretty non-invasive, uh, and you can kind of be on each other's team here and hold each other accountable. Um, so whether that's looking at um, your fixed expenses uh, and then adding all those up and then setting a budget for discretionary spending on top of that. So maybe Monday through Friday, we're going to make sure we cook dinners at home. Uh, on the weekends, we can splurge a little bit and go out to eat. Um, Maybe we won't do as much entertainment, maybe one show, a, you know, a quarter or something like that. One, one big vacation a year. Those are all things that can, uh, you can start out talking about together. Uh, and then that can build to, to further um, discussions like um, insurances and investing and just financial planning in general. So, Budgeting, we've talked about it in past episodes and related to finances. And Sarah and I have a budget. We put it together and then we never revisit it. <laughs> yeah, it seems very common for us. And I would imagine other people out there. So as a financial planner, how can we do a better job of actually, because clearly we're not sticking to the budget because we don't even know what it is. After we, you know, we're not tracking it. Like that's the key part of the budget. How can we uh, be better at that? Yeah, I think the key there is just um, holding each other accountable. And this is a team effort. Uh, it's it's very similar to um, getting up in the morning and, and going for a workout. Uh, if you plan on doing it together, and one person wakes up and says, "Hey, we we made a pact. We're uh, we're doing this workout." And the other person doesn't really want to go. Uh, you, you may have to, you know, convince them a little bit. Like, hey, you know, we we decided we're doing this. Um, we need to stick to it. We do have our end goals in sight. Um, and I understand it. it it's always difficult. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm in the industry. Uh, my personal finances is different than anybody else's, and it, it's hard to stick to a budget too. And, and so we do understand that. Um, but it is just all about kind of uh, some accountability and really kind of understanding that it is a team effort. What percentage do you recommend of of income after expenses go to savings? Obviously, that's going to differ depending on the individual and the couple. But like, what's a good number to start with? So as far as like emergency savings, liquid savings, as an advisor, we do typically recommend anywhere from three to six months of uh, fixed income or, or discretionary um, spending. We want to make sure that we do have that income covered for that short period of time. In the event that there's a job loss or there's an unexpected expense, uh, we do want to make sure we have that, that short window um, taken care of. And then any more than that, your money is likely better utilized elsewhere. So whether that is putting additional money to your 401k or IRAs or making sure all your insurances are up to date, um, 
you know, you want to make your money work for you. Um, so having more than that is, is usually um, excessive a little bit, but we do want to make sure we, we have that amount to um, cover anything short term. Okay. So this is good. This is like, I'm just approaching this <laughs> as you're my financial planner. So <laughs> sure. um, I think that'd be valuable because I have real questions and, and I think our listeners would too. So, okay. Three to six months of our fixed income or of our fixed expenses set aside. And then the rest- Monthly expenses. Yeah. Yeah. Monthly expenses. And then the rest, there's an array of places that you just mentioned what would be the the first thing that that you would want to see uh, a couple do with the rest of that money they have coming coming in or set aside yeah the main thing there is is to make sure whatever you have now never you never go backwards so you kind of think of it like a, a mountain climber climbing up a, a mountain he wants to make sure he ties off um frequently at every point make sure hey if something if i slip and fall I'm not going to fall all the way back down to the bottom of that mountain. So um, life insurance to make sure that if something happens to, to one or both of you, your family is taken care of. Disability insurance uh, is a big one and often overlooked. So in the event that maybe, you know, you're, you're still alive, something happened, whether that's a diagnosis or um, an injury as a result of an accident, you're not able to earn that income anymore that your family's dependent on. Uh, we want to make sure those are locked in. And then we can kind of talk about some of the things that uh, are a little more fun to talk about. So uh, contributing to um, a fund to purchase a home in the future or uh, a car, uh, or we're looking at different types of, of investments to um, contribute to our retirement. But we do always want to make sure that those those base insurances are covered. Okay. For... In full recognition, I don't want to put our listeners to sleep, talk about insurance, <laughs> but I think it's important. In, in, what do you mean? Insurance in, is super yeah, fun. <laughs> not to dump on, on your job, <laughs> but Sarah and I got life insurance when our daughter, before she was born, we we're mm -hmm. like, okay, we need to be grownups here. We got life insurance and I really liked I, the policy we got because there was like an option that we could, Sarah might know better, remember better. After, I think it was after 20 years, we could either pull out what we had put in and use that for Stella's like college fund, for example, or keep it in and let it keep growing or something like that. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. So what you'd be referring to there is a permanent life insurance policy or a whole life insurance policy. Um, it could be called uh, universal life, maybe, um, kind of just depending on what you guys have. Um, but yeah, there can be a side component to those accounts that do accumulate uh, a separate what's known as cash value that you can utilize in the future and take um, withdrawals and, or loans against that policy value um, to you know pay for college education, maybe uh, a child's wedding, uh, put a down payment on a home, uh, you name it, you have full flexibility there. Um, those types of policies, you know, they, they aren't suitable for everyone. Um, they they are very complex and you do want to make sure that they're structured properly. Uh, and may, maybe as you guys know, um, they are more expensive than a, a comparable term policy. So uh, you, yeah, you just have to make sure that uh, you work with an advisor that you do trust and, and they can help to determine what's going to be the most suitable for your situation. 
I would also like to point out that we actually, we have like the normal uh, life insurance. Like if, if Chase and I were to pass away, that would go to Stella or her, her caretaker. But the reason why we did this other one that we mentioned was because it seemed like a good alternative to just starting a traditional like college fund or you know, a fund for what or whatever it is at that time, tw- you know, 20 years from now, if it's Stella's education or traveling around the world that we want to help support, um, we thought that was another good alternative as well. Yeah, they definitely can be. Uh, and like I said, um, just based on how those policies can be structured, um, they can come with a lot of flexibility. So some college savings plans, uh, they are pinpointed to that college savings. Uh, And if you pull out that money and and it's not being utilized for college education or um, higher level education, then you can pay taxes or penalties on on those uh, types of uh, accounts. So, yeah, with some some life insurance, it definitely can be a tool to, to help utilize those expenses later on. So I would love to go back to a little bit more about the survey one fact that you came was that 80% of the uh, the percentage of people that felt that their partner was irresponsible financially felt that uh, they would feel comfortable spending money without telling their partner. And then even 1% felt that they would spend up to $5,000 without telling their partner. Yeah. That which to me is just kind of blows my mind because I feel like I, even if I'm going to spend like $100, I, you know, talk to Chase about it. So are there any kind of just (laughs) brief, brief rules or not rules, but guidelines that you would recommend for couples so that this isn't a big surprise or something, a way to navigate this conversation? But first, we want to take a break to talk about today's sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Zola. Can you guess what the most stressful thing I experienced when we were planning our wedding was? What? Me asking for different color flowers? Asking too many questions? No, not feeling organized or having a place, central place where I can store and locate all of our important details of our wedding. Unfortunately, Zola was not around when we got married, but now it is. So all you engaged couples out there need to check out Zola. Zola makes wedding planning so much easier and less stressful with their wedding websites, registry, invites, and guest list manager all in one place. Their free wedding websites offer hundreds of gorgeous designs and can be created in minutes. And just a few features I think are awesome are the FAQ section, online RSVP page, and a place where your guests can shop your registry right on your site. Zola is the highest rated registry of all time, and it's pretty clear why. You can register for gifts, experiences, and honey funds, which we both love. You can add gifts from other stores and sync existing registries. And there are amazing benefits for your guests like free shipping and returns, price matching, group gifting, which is such a cool idea, and a 20% off post-wedding discount. Zola also offers beautiful and affordable invites and paper. You can shop all your wedding paper needs on Zola from your save the dates to invites and thank yous. And they'll help you collect addresses and track online RSVPs with their free guest list manager. Zola has helped 1 million couples get married and they'll help you too. 
Go to Zola.com slash I do today and use the promo code SAVE50 to get 50% off your save the dates. You can also get a free personalized paper sample before you purchase. That's 50% off save the dates at Zola.com slash I do and use the promo code SAVE50. Today's episode is also brought to you by BetterHelp. We mention it a lot on the show, but therapy is really one of the best things you can do as an individual and potentially as a couple to improve your personal life and your relationships. And BetterHelp connects you with a professional counselor in a safe and online environment. You can communicate with your therapist via text, chat, phone, and video. And there are over 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states who specialize in relationships, depression, stress, anxiety, self-esteem, anger, trauma, and many more areas. Anything you share is confidential, and if you're not happy with your counselor for any reason, you can request a new one at any time for no additional charge. BetterHelp is secure, convenient, and professional. And best of all, it is truly an affordable option. Our listeners get 10% off your first month with the discount code I do. So get started today. Go to betterhelp.com slash I do and simply fill out the questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get you matched with a counselor you'll love. That's betterhelp.com slash I do to get 10% off your first month. Yeah. And in, in these situations, obviously it, it matters on, on what the amount is. You know, if, if you're going out to lunch and spending $10, $15, do you have to tell your partner? I, personally, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we're looking at, at big spending, um, yeah, it's definitely better to be honest about that or, or open about that. And even kind of going further on uh, that part of the survey, um, Kind of uh, another question around those lines is that one in five people would actually spend more than $500 uh, without telling their partner. And of those, 27% would be comfortable spending more than $10,000. Um, so when I saw that, I was like, well, 10000 seems like <laughs> a, a very large number, uh, you know, same as, same as 5000 but uh I don't know. Well, maybe once I see an extra digit there, it, it seems like it's, yeah. it's so much bigger. Um, but yeah, that I, I found pretty fascinating. And I think it, it is, it, you know, the, the more open you are with each other about finances, I feel the more open you're going to be about everything else uh, in the relationship. You never want to be caught off guard by anything. Um, those are the things that can lead to some friction in the relationship. And then going back to, what we initially talked about, the odds of a breakup due to, to money troubles or, or money um, arguments is so much, uh, the likelihood is so much higher. Maybe they're billionaires. So $10,000 is like, nothing, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's like a dollar. It's like, so oh, yeah. relative. Well, <laughs> yeah. And one of the things we've talked about on past episodes is understanding your money personality. Like, are you a spender, a saver? And I would imagine you know, Sarah and I are kind of opposite. I'm more of a saver. Sarah's more of a spender and that's created some friction, but we've communicated around that and, uh, we made a budget that we don't revisit, (laughs) but, but, uh, 
But I would just encourage our listeners to communicate around how you relate to money. There's deep roots there with how you were brought up, your family's finances, and you may be extremely wealthy like as an adult and still be very frugal because you grew up in that situation. So understanding that can be important. And in your work, when you work with couples, what are some of the things like, are you helping them identify that? Or are you more just sticking to the numbers and, and, and being a little less marriage counselor and more on the balance sheet? Yeah. I mean, it can definitely be a combination of both. Um, I mean, if I look at my personal relationship, my partner, she is a spender. Uh, I am a saver. So similar to you guys, there's, there's one on each side of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do find that that can be advantageous also. So, um, you know, I'm good at helping set the budget and figure out um, what we can and can't spend money on. We're also planning for uh, a wedding later this year. So, you know how expensive that can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's definitely some budgeting that has to go into that. Um, but she's also great at helping me splurge a little bit when otherwise I would not have. So. Um, maybe that's, you know, a, a great experience that, that we had together, maybe a vacation, something that I would have said, eh, you know, I, I'd rather just save my money and put that aside where, but then after the fact, you know, we're always going to share those memories together and things like that. So yeah, do we go like by the book and, and by those numbers? Um, we always try to, but you do have to find that happy medium, um, between the couple. So you mentioned like, counseling or marriage counseling, um, you know, as a financial advisor, I, I do often say that uh, not only are, do we help with finances, but we can also play a, a mediator and a counselor to, to make sure that um, in the end, uh, everyone's happy and that you are um, setting goals that are achievable to get you uh, to the, the, the final end goal, whatever that might be. It seems valuable to have that third party there because like if Sarah and I are having a discussion on, uh, let's say, I think she goes out to eat too much and spending too much money, it's so loaded. Like there's all of our personal history there and I'm probably asking it in a loaded way and maybe an accusatory way. She might get defensive. Whereas I feel like if you're with a third party, with a financial advisor to really like iron things out, obviously not just about going out deep, but maybe like an entire budget um, and a professional who has an education in dealing with that, it's going to just make it a lot more productive. Is that something you find? Like if you have couples come to you, are they like almost relieved to have you tell them what to do? Yeah. A lot of times that, that is, um, definitely the truth. Uh, and, and it can be, you know, whether it's, um, setting that budget or, um, planning for the future, you, like I said, you do have to find that, that happy medium there. Um, and a lot of people, this isn't something that's going to be, uh, I meet with the, my advisor and that's it. We're done. We've set our budget. Uh, we do need to revisit these things. So this is something that's going to be changing uh, quarterly, semi-annually, annually, uh, and changes in, in uh, what happens in your life. Maybe you are looking to purchase a home now, or you have uh, a child, or now that child is is going to college, and how are we going to help pay for college? It, it's something that having that third party can be crucial, 
um, because it can really help you stick to that, that budget or stick to that plan and revisit that plan on a continual basis. Let's go back to coming in, setting three to six months of uh, fixed expenses aside and then figuring out what to do with the rest of our money. And, and it seems like you said insurance is the first place to start. And then we talk about investments. Do you recommend that being investment, like a retirement fund as the first investment? I can't specifically give investment advice um, on behalf of Policy Genius um, because we we are licensed to do insurance currently. It's it's something to where like a, a base is, hey, if you have a 401k at work and your company matches up to a certain percentage, there's rarely a case where you shouldn't be contributing um, the, at least the minimum to get that maximum mm-hmm. uh, match. You know, it, it's free money. Take advantage of those situations. And then you add compounding interest on top of that. Uh, it may feel like uh, a little bit of money today or each paycheck, but then over the course of 40, 30, 20 years, whatever your um, life cycle stage may be, um, that can really, really add up for retirement. So if you don't mind sharing, you said you're saving for a wedding. (laughs) What did the negotiation... Trying to. (laughs) Trying to. What did the negotiation look like for that as someone, as a financial advisor? Like, how did that go down? Yeah, and during that process, you know, you, you realize that things add up much more quickly <laughs> than you expect. Um, so some things that, that we've kind of um we've kind of come together on is uh, like the venue where we're getting married um doesn't provide like the food or drinks, so we do have to cater that um to a caterer outside. And so we look at that and we look at the cost of, of one versus the other. Maybe one of them, we liked the food better, but it's $5,000 more in order to, you know, uh, reserve them for, for our wedding. So if we can find some ways like that to um, collaborate and, and kind of come to a happy agreement, um, in the end, you know, a wedding is never something you want to like go into debt for. So it's a fun party, but you do want to make sure that um, you are planning within your means for sure. I was about to ask you, uh, you know, the best advice you could give for our listeners who are planning a wedding, a good percentage of income or some sort of number for them to shoot for so that they're not going into debt, but also still enjoying themselves. Do you ever give any recommendations in that area? Yeah, I think going into it, kind of what I've learned too, is that it's good to know um, maybe you're you're funding your own uh, wedding and, and reception entirely. Maybe you have some family who's helping. Um, so it's good going into it to know um, how much funding you do have available. Maybe some parents are putting in a, a certain uh, number or, you know, they give you a, just a set number. Hey, this is what I'm going to contribute to your wedding. Um, how much is maybe, you know, another family member going to help contribute. So it's good to know kind of going into it what your base budget is and how much savings you have done for that on a, on a personal basis if you are paying for a specific uh, amount of that wedding on your own or the whole thing. Um, but yeah, and then I guess one thing I could also say is um, 
whatever you set your initial budget at, just plan on like 20% higher. <laughs> just the way it goes. There you go. Enjoy the cake and, and enjoy the night. Exactly. But yeah, uh, just a personal, I guess people shouldn't really care what I have to say about their weddings too much, but and I'm not speaking to you, Patrick, just our listeners, but super important. I know it's a big day. It's over in like, it was a super special night it's, for it Sarah and I. So fast. Yeah, it's yeah. over it in like, maybe do like 30% less on your budget or 40 and then take a nice trip somewhere. Or like, I don't know, ask yourself like why the wedding needs to be like so elaborate. Why is that so important to you? And maybe it does. But uh, in the end, from a financial perspective, one of the best things Sarah and I did is we kept it low, but then for our uh, presents, what gifts mm -hmm. was a honey fund. Mm -hmm. And so people just gave us money and we, we took a month long honeymoon to South Africa, which was, you know, amazing. Yeah. Paid for. Yeah. Thank you, friends and family. <laughs> that was amazing. And looking at it, I mean, regardless, like no matter how extravagant your wedding is, uh, people are going to have a blast. Like, yes, in the end, people don't really care how great the food was. Um, it, it's and things like that. Like, yeah, you know, you want to have some good music and dancing, but pe people are going to have fun. So um, live within your means and um, kind of like the honey fund that you mentioned, um, my fiance and I have, have talked about it too. And, um, we see a lot of wedding registries for kitchen appliances and all this. I mean, we live in New York city, so, um, <laughs> not a lot of place we can put those things. So, um, but, but we look at it too, like, do we really need that stuff? Uh, it'd be nice to have like some of those really nice things, but I, I think we would just rather take a couple weeks off, um, go on a nice honeymoon and enjoy Enjoy the time together as newlyweds. Uh, you know, some of those uh, material things can often seem uh, or be less. Well said. And who would have thought you're a financial advisor, but now you're giving wedding advice? We love it. <laughs> it's perfect. I do it all. Yes. <laughs> well, thanks so much for all this information, Patrick. Definitely giving Sarah and I some extra motivation to revisit that budget. Yep. And um, before we wrap up, can you? Leave something with our listeners in regards to dealing with their finances in relationship and where they can find more information online. And then we'll say goodbye. Yeah, for sure. So um, as far as Policy Genius is concerned, we do have a ton of, um, of con content regarding this. Um, so you can visit us at policygenius.com or Google any topic and add Policy Genius to it. Uh, likely we have an article or some sort of survey similar to the one we discussed today. Uh, I know tax season uh, is now upon us. So um, if you're looking to get something started, uh, maybe even if you're not married or anything like that, maybe you sit next to each other and, and do your taxes uh, together and, and answer each other's questions, or you meet with an accountant together uh, to file your taxes. Those are some ways where you can start that financial relationship and build upon it. Great. Well, thank you so much, Patrick. And uh, we'll have the links to your website and the survey that you shared with us today on our website at idpodcast.com. And uh, thanks again for coming on the show. Yeah. Thanks so much, guys. Take care. Hi, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, all the links are in the show notes page, as well as on the podcast description. And while you're on our website, we encourage you guys to check out our 14-day happy couple challenge. 
We send you an email for 14 days with simple, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And on our website, we also have a bunch of free resources for your relationship. So we encourage you to check those out. Uh, We also have our love tribe on Facebook. Uh, We encourage you guys to join the tribe and uh, be there for support for each other. If you have questions or just need some relationship advice, we are all here for each other. Um, The group has grown to almost a thousand people um, and we love it. So we hope you guys join that. You can go to Facebook Love Tribe Fam, and you'll find us right there. And if you are interested in learning more about our flagship course, Spark My Relationship, we hope you guys check it out. We have a special offer that is only for podcast listeners. So you can go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock, and you can unlock that special offer and learn more. As always, thank you guys so much, and we'll see you next week.